0: Today on Abounding Grace, Daniel is getting insight on what's going to happen in the end times. Hear all about it as you join us. This is amazing. Grace. even the casual observer can recognize the moral decline in the world today evil and wickedness is on the rise but did you realize the bible predicted this would be the case in the last days daniel would speak of this today on abounding grace we're talking about the end times and what to expect from daniel chapter 12 here's pastor ed taylor
1: take your bibles open them would you to daniel chapter 12 Well here we are coming to the end of the book of Daniel and our time in the next few studies will be on the topic of the end times and what to look for in the end times. In today's message I've entitled More and More Wickedness in the End. Now the end, famous last words, sometimes we like them and other times we don't. You know, there are times when we're thinking, when will this ever end? And I'm certainly, we're like in a time right now, when will this ever end? And then there are other times when we think of endings thinking, you know, I hope, it ne- I hope this never ends. And we can be on either end of the spectrum. But it's true either way. There's an ending up ahead. Every good book comes to an end. Every good movie has an ending. Every good song, every good meal, even our lives, one day will come to an end. The lives that God has entrusted to us. All of our lives and all of our days on this earth will soon Come to an end. Jot these down. I looked up a few scriptures just reminding us of the brevity of life. In Psalm 39 verse 5, and by the way, we're studying through Daniel and through the New Living Translation, so that's what I'll be reading from. Psalm 39 5 says, you have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Psalm 89 verse 47, remember how short my life is. And how empty and futile this human experience. Psalm 144, verse 4. For they are like the breath of air. Their days are like a passing shadow. It's good to remember that our lives will not last forever on this earth. Our lives will soon come to an end. One day we will take our last breath on earth and our first breath in eternity we'll stand before God, we'll kneel before God, we'll worship God. Uh, the, The whole sum of our desire will happen. And the measurement of a man's life will not be much how many possessions we've had. It won't be how rich we were. It won't be how much we left behind for our families. Or how popular we, we were or how much influence we might have. What kind of influence are we? The question of the day will be, what did you do with my son Jesus Christ? And that's just a word to some listening in right now. Like you're measuring everything the wrong way. Like you're going after this and you're accumulating that. And you want to make sure you leave this. And, and yet the measurement of your life and mine is what did we do with the knowledge of Jesus Christ? And as believers... What did we do with the new life that God had given to us? And of course, when you hear that question and when you stand in judgment over that question, the decision will already be made. And yet, for those listening to me right now, the decisions that you make will develop your life for all of eternity. And so we have the joy today, don't we, of asking this question, not in the past, but in the present. Not what did you do, but what are you doing How are you responding to your new life? Have you received him? And do you believe in him? Are your sins forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ? I mean, that's the question of the day. The question of the day isn't when will this end? And the question of the day isn't when can the churches come back? And when can this open? Those are not the questions. The question of the day is what have you done with Jesus Christ? And how have you responded to the significant revelation or the significant knowledge that you have sinned and fallen short of God's perfection. Or you might have memorized it, fallen short of the glory of God. When you compare your life compared to the perfection of God, what do you do with that knowledge? Why are we talking about endings? Well, because we're coming up to the end of a book. And we're coming up to the last chapter. It's always an exciting time for me uh, when you get to start in a, cha- in a book of the Bible, chapter 1, verse 1, and then know that for how many, however, many long, ho- however many weeks long it takes us, or in, if you're listening to this on the radio in Abounding Grace at a later time, how many time, how many episodes it's going to take to finish it, how many months, sometimes years, to finish a book of the Bible, that we start in verse 1. Of chapter 1, and then we work our way through the very last word of the very last chapter of the very last verse. And we're coming to the end of the book today. For us, it'll be the beginning of the end as we spend a few weeks on this. But we've been studying with Daniel now for, uh, this is our 33rd study, but because of different things going on, it's taken us longer than 33 weeks, uh, 33 midweek Bible studies to get here. But here we are to this revelation that Daniel gets about the end of the world. The end of the world. The the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what will things look like before Jesus returns? And that's what we're gonna be looking at in the coming weeks. What does the end times look like? Now for the Christian, these things that we're about to learn shouldn't scare us, even though I think they are a little scary or concerning. They shouldn't scare us because we know that our eternity is secure. We're going to see the Lord. He is coming again. Well, Jesus put it this way: listen to his, to his encouragement to the disciples in John 14 in verse 1. He says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this wasn't so, would would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I'll come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am." Our hopes will become reality. And listen, when the Lord comes back, when we meet him in the air, when we meet him in eternity, all of, and I thought of this, I jotted it down, all of our faith becomes sight. Like we will, it will be fulfilled. And again, remember we've learned with Daniel, we've we've been introduced to him as the godly man that he was the prophet but we also introduce to him as the from the prophecies that he's given and prophecy is god's willingness to tell us the future in advance it's god's warnings and pleadings to understand his love many people have you know variety of views of prophecy and i don't just mean theological views i mean opinions Uh, You know, there's the skeptic. There's the guy that makes fun of it. There's the gal that doesn't care. There's some that say, oh, God is just saying things to scare you. But it's not God's scare tactics. He wants you to be prepared. He wants you to be ready. We don't know everything that will happen, even though some prophecy folks think they do. We don't know everything that's going to happen. We don't know how it's all going to go down. But we know the times and the seasons. We've been given insight. So, pick up with me with all that in mind in Daniel chapter 12, and let's start this ride of looking at the last days. At that time, Michael the archangel, this is Daniel 12, verse 1, who stands guard over your nation will arise. Then there will be a time of anguish, greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Then, verse 3, those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the end, the time of the end, when many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase Jump down to verse 8 now with me. Daniel 12, verse 8. I heard what he said, but I did not understand what he meant. So I asked, how will all this finally end, my Lord? But he said, go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined by these trials. But the wicked will continue in their wickedness, and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. So in a very general sense, Daniel learns that there will be a time of increased wickedness on the earth at the end. We see that where in verse 1 it says, There will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first became into existence. Or as Daniel refers to in the New King James, As a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And we believe, biblically, this happens during the last seven years of human history, known as the Great Tribulation Period, known as the time of Jacob's trouble. A time where God, as the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, where God will then begin to fulfill his word in keeping his promises to the nation of Israel. Now, we're not going to get into depth on this, but I want you to turn over on this study. But turn over with me in Matthew chapter 24 to get greater insight of this time. And then we're going to finish our time today in 1 Timothy chapter 4. So go over to Matthew 24 just for some insights about the future. We won't go through the whole chapters, 51 uh, verses, but let's go through a few just to consider. In chapter 24 of Matthew, in verse 1, it says, As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, Do you see all these buildings? I'll tell you the truth. They'll be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. And later Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us when will this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? And Jesus told him, Don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name, claiming I'm the Messiah. They'll deceive many. You'll hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. These things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all of this is first the birth pains with more to come. Jump down to verse 22. Well, really in verse 21. For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless the time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. And if anyone tells you, look here, here's the Messiah, there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs, false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen people. Even God's chosen people. Notice now over in 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Daniel's getting insight on what's happening in the end times. And the end times is actually something that the Bible has a lot to say. So we learn a lot about the end times. The first question that's asked is, well, when did the end times start? The end times started at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The end times began with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I believe it's been God's intention for every generation alive to live with an urgency of the soon return of Jesus Christ. There's actually a fancy word for that, that that we would believe in the imminent return of Jesus, that we would expect him to come at any time, that we would live our lives in such a way And that we would keep our eyes open to the times in which we live. That every generation would see that each successive generation is closer to the coming of the Lord than the last generation. And so notice with me in verse 1 of these glimpses that we have in 1 Timothy. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time, some will turn away from the true faith. And they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. They will say it's wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods. But God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks. For we know that it's made acceptable by the word of God in prayer." And if you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you'll be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. Check this out. This is so key. You might want to mark this in your Bibles. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Timothy, don't be surprised that in the last days you will see people walk away from the faith. You'll see them turn their backs on the truth. It's going to happen and it's especially going to happen in the latter days. Can I just say, having been a pastor now here in Colorado 20 years, many years in California... It still bums me out to watch a person turn their back on the things of God. To watch a person that maybe I've served with before. Maybe that I have watched fruit in their life. Uh, maybe they, they've, they've seen uh, some, uh, or we've been able to witness some kind of behavior in their life. And they turn their life away from the faith. Uh, what some people would look and go, oh, they lost their salvation. But I think they've lost their focus and they've lost their desire. And this topic of losing your salvation is a much bigger topic. I've talked about it uh, and taught it in many different passages. But eternal life is eternal life. And we even uh, tackled this in our study in Hebrews. And so what is this turning from the faith? Well, the, before we get to that, I want you to notice something that we can't miss. And that is, in verse one, the Holy Spirit clearly tells us. It's good to be reminded today that the holy spirit is a person not a thing not a force not an imminence you know a, a kind of like what some of the false teachings have tried to make the holy spirit someone something other than a person the holy spirit speaks again i've done in depth bible studies on who the holy spirit is but if you're taking notes and you need to be reminded or you're hearing this for the very first time consider how the holy spirit is described in the bible He's not a force, not an impersonal power, but Holy Spirit is God, the third person of the Trinity. In John 14, 26, we learn that the Holy Spirit teaches us and helps us to remember. In John 16, 8, we learn how he convicts us of our sin. In Acts 13, verse 2, he calls believers to service. In Romans chapter 8, verse 14, he leads. In Romans chapter 8, verse 27, he intercedes. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, he speaks. Again in 1 Timothy 4, 1, he speaks. He tells us, he reveals. In Acts chapter 5, verse 1, you can lie to the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says, God reveals through the word of the Holy Spirit. He says, that many will depart from the faith, especially in the latter days. Timothy, make sure your doctrine is correct. Make sure that you're exercising yourself unto godliness. Make sure that you're developing your life spiritually. That was a word to a spiritual leader. A word to a spiritual leader that when you begin to see people turn away from the faith on your personal circle of influence, it is a reminder of your own life to be diligent to present yourself approved to God. I I want you to consider that because we're living in days, there's a new phrase, I don't know if you've noticed uh, in, you know, what social media tweets, there's a new phrase that's real popular among those departing from the faith. They, They call it deconstructing their faith. Maybe you're considering deconstructing your faith. Can I just warn you that every time I've read of someone deconstructing their faith, They have so deconstructed their faith that they've walked away. That line, uh, that consideration, that popular thing in the culture today, some real prominent guys have deconstructed their faith. Uh, They've looked back at their lives and they've looked back at how they were raised. Uh, They've looked back at their life currently coming maybe to a midlife crisis or whatever. And they're influencing youngsters. They're influencing new generations. Oh, go ahead, deconstruct your faith. No, because deconstructing your faith gets you to the place where you place yourself in the position of God. Oh, I'm not saying that we, you know, like a dad, I've raised all my kids into adulthood. And I know that if they examine my life as a dad, They examine my teaching as a dad. They examine how I pass the gospel on to them. They're going to go, man, dad made a mistake here. He made a mistake there. Like that, I don't need them to tell me that. I know that I wasn't a perfect father. And I know for me personally in those early days, a failure I made as a believer is I was a major legalist as a new parent, a new believer. And I parented out of fear. And I was really, truly, genuinely afraid that if I didn't parent right, and that I didn't raise my kids right, that they would become bad like I was. And what I didn't understand was how to trust in the Lord, how to love my kids, how to be gracious with them, how to give them freedom. And my, you know, poor Eddie, my oldest, he had to pay the price for a lot of that in the early days. But then God really began to show me grace at a very young age as a parent. And, and I grew out of that. And I, I began to learn how to parent my kids. So, that, like, you're like, oh, you know, your parents did, did it wrong. Like, you're, you're a teenager right now, and somebody got in your ear and trying to de- deconstruct your faith, and I don't believe in church, I don't believe in the Bible, and now you're like, well, maybe I... And then they're saying this, oh, you know, your parents taught you wrong, or your parents made mistakes. Let me just answer that for you. They did. And what will you do Now?
0: Well, we've been in the book of Daniel today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is leading us verse by verse through the book. To hear today's study again, just visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. There you'll find our podcast, Pastor Ed's blog, our recent radio programs, a place to contact us and even donate to the ministry as the Lord leads. That's AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to grow on the go is to download our free app, Do a search for Calvary Aurora and listen to Pastor Ed when it's most convenient. This month, we picked out a book we think you'll enjoy. It would even make a great gift or stocking stuffer. It's The Case for Christmas by Lee Strobel. Sort of like a journalist, Lee Strobel investigates the identity of the child in the manger, focusing on the hows and whys of Christmas. It'll serve to reaffirm your faith and help seekers pursue solid answers about the first coming of Christ. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember, this radio ministry is made possible through the generous support of listeners like you. And we'd appreciate it if you'd remember us in your year-end giving to the Lord. To request the case for Christmas, please call toll-free 877-30-GRACE. And as I mentioned a moment ago, you can make a secure donation to the ministry online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, in your new book, God's Help for the Troubled Heart, you speak on the biblical theology of suffering. Can you briefly give us a
1: glimpse of what that is? You know, Larry, I can. I think the best place to do that, uh, the best summary of a biblical understanding of suffering is in John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus says, These things I've spoken to you that in me you, have may, you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In that one statement, you have not only the facts surrounding suffering, but you also have the counterbalance of God's faithfulness and the overcoming power of faith in Jesus Christ. The reality is, is if you are in this world, and if you're listening to me, you are, then suffering is going to be a part of your life. Suffering comes to the good and to the bad, comes to the righteous and the unrighteous. Suffering is a part of living in this world, but for the believer, and only the believer, can you see purpose in your pain. And so a biblical understanding or a theology of suffering is important for you to know because there is a very, very popular stream of Christianity today, in some cases not even Christianity, that says, as a believer, I was just seeing this guy on TV the other day. It was so frustrating. I should flip right through those channels. But he was up there selling his DVD and and propagating this false teaching that the moment you were born again, you were destined to financial prosperity and never be sick again, and if you just got his DVD, uh, you he would give you all the insight. He's not, and people like that, male or female, they're not telling you the truth, they're not speaking forth the words of Jesus Christ, they're not leading you to Jesus Christ, and they're to be rejected. I'm sorry that you're suffering. I wish you weren't. But I can't undo, and neither can you, the truth that we live in a fallen world, and the Lord is with you. And when we use the word theology, we need to understand that God is with you in the suffering, and uh, it's a a good thing to know the truth about something, because then you can navigate in a right way. Thanks for asking.
0: When you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more, ask for a copy of God's Help for the Troubled Heart. Call now, 877-30-GRACE. You can also order it on Amazon. Glad you've taken time out for our study. in Daniel, we'll pick up where we left off next time we get together on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace.